Um, so we are going to kind of pick up a little bit of where we left off a couple weeks ago, work on the Sermon on the Mount, right? As we remember, the idea of it is, is that God wants to create men of character and not just laws. Okay, men of character and not laws. And that's important. As we've, as we've really seen this last week, if you've watched the news, there's been a lot of times where they're talking about wanting new laws to stop bad things from happening. And they just want to keep adding more, add more laws, add more laws, when that's not the problem in our world today, when we talk a little about this Wednesday night, is that it's not the new laws that are needed, but it's a change of hearts for the people in our country. We need different value structure of what we are living with. And we can add more laws, but I don't know about you, but the more laws people add, the more likely they are to break those new laws because everybody wants to push the limits, right? Think about people with driving. I mean, they set a speed limit at 70. What does everybody do just about? They go 75. They raise the speed limit to 75. They, people push it to 80, right? And that's kind of the way our mindset works with our sinful nature is we want to find that edge and we want to ride that edge and keep pushing it because our value system isn't always correct. But it's been kind of heartbreaking to see, and there's been multiple issues. I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but if you've watched the news, there's many, many different issues going on. Where it's uh, And from both sides of political worlds, it's we need to make a law for this to stop this from happening. We need to make a law for this to change this. Um, even, even our Southern Baptist name, if, we, if you've watched, seen the news, we've came out with some stuff that we've kept hidden because our values weren't right as a church culture all the way up to the top and so things have to change and it's not making a new rule or a new idea it's following our value system and where that should be placed at and that's in God so as I'm as I'm making a a transition in my life in my family's life we're going to active duty army and so as I was thinking about this week I was really had the thought that the army has a value system of their own, right? They have a total different law set in their military justice, but they have a value system that they try to push people to follow, and they preach it over and over to soldiers of a way to live that's different than just following all the laws. They don't preach all the laws every week. They preach the value system. So here, here's the values they have. They have loyalty, and it says, they bear true faith and allegiance to the U.S. Constitution, the Army, the unit, and other soldiers. Bearing true faith and allegiance is a matter of believing in and devoting yourself to something or someone. A loyal soldier is one who supports the leadership and stands up for fellow soldiers. By wearing the uniform of the U.S. Army, you're expressing your loyalty. And by doing, by doing a share, you show your loyalty to your unit. So they preach loyalty to the soldiers. They preach duty. Fulfill your obligations. Doing your duty means more than carrying out your assigned task. Duty means being able to accomplish the task as part of a team. The work of the U.S. Army is a complex combination of missions and tasks and responsibilities, all in constant motion. Our work entails building one assignment onto another. You fulfill your obligations as part of your unit every time you resist the temptation to take shortcuts that might undermine the integrity of the final product. They teach respect. Treat people as they should be treated in the, 
In the soldier's code, we pledge to treat others with dignity and respect while expecting others to do the same. Respect is what allows us to appreciate the best in other people. Respect is trusting that all people have done their jobs and fulfilling their duty. And self-respect is vital in, in, ingredient with the army values of respect, which results from knowing that you have put forth your best effort. The army is one team, and each of us has something to contribute. Then they teach selfless service, putting the welfare of the nation, the army, and your subordinates before your own. Selfless service is larger than just one person. In serving your country, you're doing your, loyal, your duty loyally without thoughts of recognition or gain. The basic building block of selfish service is the commitment of each team member to go a little further, endure a little longer, and take closer, and, and a little closer to see how he or she can add to the effort. Then they te- preach honor. Live up to the Army values. The nation's highest military award is the Medal of Honor. This award goes to soldiers who make honor a matter of daily living. Soldiers who develop habit of being honorable and, ju- and solidify the habit with every value choice they make. Honor is a matter of carrying out, acting, and living the values of respect, duty, loyalty, selfless service, integrity, and personal courage in everything you do. Then they preach integrity. Do what's right legally and morally. Integrity is a quality you develop by adhering to moral principles. It requires that you do and say nothing that deceives others. As your integrity grows, so does the trust, place, the trust others place in you. The more choices you make based on integrity the more this highly prized value will affect your relationship with family and friends, and finally, the, the founda- uh, fundamental acceptance of yourself. And lastly, they preach personal courage. Face fear, danger, or adversity, both physical and moral. Personal courage has long been associated with our army. The physical courage is a matter of enduring physical duress and at times of risking personal safety. Facing moral fear or adversity may be long, slow process of continuing forward on the right path especially if taking those actions is not popular with others. You can build your, your personal courage by daily standing up for and acting upon the things that you know are honorable. So I wanted to read what the Army definitions of that value system is. And what's crazy is that we look at when worldly things are sometimes good, they also fit somewhat biblically also. All right, so as Christians, we... Those aren't bad things for us to live by. Matter of fact, there's biblical aspects of that also in following those values. See, if every soldier follows those values, there's no need for their army law system. Because that covers everything. If they follow those things, then the rest of it comes into habit. If we as people follow those ideas and we love others and we take care of each other, we wouldn't even need the law because we live with integrity and value for other people. And so as we, as we start looking at it as a Christian aspect, we're going to kind of dance around the Bible. I'll put the verses on the screen up here in just a second as we go through each one. Um, so you can write them down, or if you're really fast, faster than me, you can find them. Okay. Personally, I typed them up here so I don't have to dig through it because um, I am slow on that. I'm a, I'm a bad pastor, and I'm very bad at the order of the books. I can always find what I'm looking for. Sometimes it takes longer than others, though. All right, so the first aspect they talked about is loyalty. Loyalty, we need to bear true faith and allegiance to the Lord. Right, the Army wants you to bear it to the Constitution and the country and the Army. 
But as Christians, we have to bear true faith to the Lord. Right? Notice I didn't say to ourselves and the Lord, only to the Lord. Right? Ourselves don't really matter in that, in that fact. Um, and so we have to ask, what is our mission? Well, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, there, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And then in Proverbs 3, 3, it says, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. As a part of following Christ, we're in his army. We're his, his soldiers into the world, right? And so he gave us marching orders to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them, right? It doesn't say to go and just hang out in your neighborhood and do what you want to do. It says, go do something for me. Go make disciples. Not in just our own place, but nations. And so are we loyal to the missions God called us to? Or are we following our old nature at times, right? And I think we all fall into that trap sometimes. We get complacent and we start going back to that old value system that's not what we want. It's, it's unfortunate and we have to stop and reconnect back to God's value system, right? And we've been, we've been discussing that the last few weeks and going back to, to God's word because he gives us the value system he wants in here. And then we look at duty, fulfilling one, that's going to be fulfilling one's obligations to the Lord. Right? Not just being called to do something, not just be willing to do it, but to actually go out and do what he's called us to do. Right? It's easy to listen sometimes. It's easy to hear a message. And it's easy to know what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go and who we're supposed to speak to. But then sometimes we don't actually do what we're supposed to do. Now, I may have told this story before. Um, I've told a lot of times while I preach out in front of here in the last two years or not. Well, when I was in college, I went to um, Goyetta. And throughout the week, I had this message running in my head of a time that, that I was supposed to share, the message, share God's word with somebody. And so I had a little Bible in my pocket. I had the, everything written down. And as we, we went one day, we went down to Santa Fe, and we were out walking through town, and got, I'm like, okay, God has a plan here. He's going to have me say something. So I knew there was a mess. He called me, told me exactly what it is. He said, I'll show you the person. And when that time came, even though I knew everything going in, I failed my duty. I didn't accomplish what God said. I allowed the world around me to stop me from stopping at that place and going in and talking and sharing a message with the exact person God told me to. Because I let pride take over. Right? I didn't complete the duty that God called me to do there. Right? So as we look at the biblical version, the words of this, it says in Matthew 22, 36-40, says, Teacher, which command is the, of the, in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. 
And then Acts 20, 35 says, In every way I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and keep in mind the words of Lord Jesus. For he says, more blessed to give than to receive. So part of our duty is to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbors. Uh, we can ask who our neighbors are. and that, Does that mean the house next door? The person sitting next to us? And God pretty clearly said it's anybody in the world that's our neighbors. Right? As he talk, tells the story of the, the Good Samaritan. And so we have a duty to love God and to love our neighbors as, we, as much as we love ourselves. That's not an option. That's a duty that God's giving us to do. That's part of our mission in going forth and making disciples of all nations is sharing that message. And so we have to ask ourselves each day, are we truly loving those around us? Are we truly loving our neighbors? And as we look at respect, I mean, we need to treat people as they should be treated, right? And how do we treat others around us? And as we think, think about how you treat people based off of they're different than you and how they're, they're not the same as you, right? We see a lot of issues that could be changed in the world today if people just treated people with respect in their world around we see people that, not necessarily in here, but there are people that treat people different based on color of their skin, by the way they dress, how much money they have, what kind of car they drive, what kind of house they live in, right? Maybe the way they speak, the way they look. Right? There's a lot of different ways that affect different people in how we respect one another. And sometimes we don't respect people in the way that we should. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And then Romans 12.10 says, Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. I like to outdo one another in showing honor, right? Not just barely make it by, but try to outdo each other in honoring the people around you and respecting them and caring for them. See, God... God has the duty for us to love those around us. In order to show love, we have to respect them also. But sometimes we ask, what about the people we don't agree with? Right? What about people we don't agree with? If we... But the reality of it is, is giving respect to somebody doesn't mean we agree with their way of life or their belief system. Right? Just because we show somebody respect doesn't mean we agree with who they are. And that we, want, that we sign up and say that what you're doing is everything right, but we can still treat people with dignity and respect that we completely disagree with. As a chaplain, that's something I have to do. I have to work with different faiths, different people of, of different faiths. And all this other stuff, this worldly stuff is there in the army. I have to treat them with respect and dignity because they're human beings. Right? If I treat them with disrespect, how are they going to receive the word as I'm sharing with them. Do you, want, do you want somebody to talk to you? And are you going to take advice from somebody who gives you disrespect all the time? Somebody that looks at you like you're lower than they are? No. All right? In order to have an opening to share the gospel, we have to respect people, even if we don't agree with their way of life or their beliefs. 
but we can still treat with respect. And, I, and I've heard this multiple times from different students and different people. I'll respect them when they respect me. Right? Have we heard that statement before? I'll give you the respect you give me. Well, that's not what God's calling us to do. He doesn't say, love those who love you. He doesn't say, take care of those who take care of you. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. We can give respect without getting respect. We can respect that, that boss that hates us and, and treats us like dirt. We can respect our leaders that are anti-Christian. Right? Even Jesus said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Right? Caesar didn't care about Christ. Caesar gave no respect to him. But he said, God put him there. Respect him. That's his, that's his area. And so we can give respect to those that even don't respect us. And then we look at selfless service. Putting the welfare of others before ourselves. Right. Doing what's good for others sometimes in spite of what would be better for us. Right. And Jesus did that for us on the cross, right? So as we look at um, Philippians 2, 1 through 11, it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking in the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humiliate, humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Each should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the God and the Father. And then in John 3.16 it says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, Jesus came as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in earth, in human flesh, right? Because he was being selfless for us. And then when it came down to it, he said, I'll take the pain. I'll take the suffering because it's what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for me. We need to be like Christ, willing to put the love for others in front of our own comfort. Are we willing to be uncomfortable for other people? Just uncomfortable. Are we willing to just be uncomfortable, not necessarily put our life out there like Jesus did, but are we willing to give up comforts of life so that somebody else can have something? Are we willing to take less so others can have more and be selfless in our love for them? 
And that's just a little thing that we can do, right? To give up something small. Many of us aren't even willing to do that in this world today. We live in a world that's a take what I can get, build what I can have, build my wealth up, and tear everybody else down. Not give of ourselves. And that's not even to ask, are you willing to lay down your life for the gospel? Many of us aren't willing to give up comfort, much less be willing to lay down our lives for what God's word says. And then we look at honor, living up to the godly values at all times. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Whatever you eat or drink, do everything for God's glory. Right? We eat and drink a lot, right? Every day. We, most of us get three meals a day. We eat or drink. Do we do that for God's glory? Right? To give everything for God's glory. Even the little things should be focused on what God's glory is and not for ourselves. That's living an honorable life. That everything is focused to Him. Even the small things like just eating a meal. Those are things for you. And so we have to ask ourselves daily, do we honor God each moment of every day? Each moment of every day. Or do we pick and choose when we're going to do that? And then we look at integrity. Do what is legally, morally, is what the army says, but they stop with the, they don't have the most important part in there. Biblically. Right? God's law is above everything else. Right? God's law should, should set our morals up. Right? Sometimes God's law and morals may go against what earthly laws are. Right? So we have to choose in that order. God's laws what we think, and then what the law says sometimes. But they made all three might not match up. Hopefully our morals and our biblical values should be the same if we're following God's word, right? And in cases where it goes against the legal thing, then we follow God's rules, not, not man's rules. Right? But that's where we should go with. Do we have integrity in our lives Proverbs 10.9 says, The one who lives with integrity lives securely, but whoever perverts his ways will be found out. Then 1 Peter 3.16 it says, However, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping your conscience clear, so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. One who lives life with integrity lives securely. They have nothing to worry about. They don't have secrets hidden. If you have a clear conscience when you're accused of something, they won't be able to hold it against you. So just think back a few years ago. There was a list that got published from a website. Um, I'm going to blank on the name of it. Huh? Ashley Madison list. I wanted to say Angie's list, but I know that's a cleaning deal. All right, so Ashley Madison, so they had this list of people that had gotten to a website they thought was a hidden website. Nobody could securely see. They thought their names were in there. 
and nobody could figure out who they were. And they were, so there's a lot of Christian people that were following this list and going and doing ungodly things, adultery, um, pornography, all this stuff mixed in it because they thought it was secure and nobody would find out. And then the list got published. Somebody broke in, got the credit card numbers out and published this list on the internet where everybody in the world could see it. Right? People who had integrity didn't have to worry when that list came out. People who didn't have integrity were, were worried, was my name on that list? Is somebody gonna find me out? And there were many people who had great <coughs> witnesses that on that day lost the integrity of the people around them. They lost the trust of people. There were pastors, missionaries, church workers, that deacons that were thought they, they had everything secure and nobody would find out. Only to find out that it came out in the open. Right? We see that we saw that with uh, the Saps of the Baptists this week, right? There were hidden things that came out in the open. And there's a lot of people who, who people lost trust in and faith in this week because they weren't living with true integrity. They were going against their morals. They were trying to cover themselves up to be hidden in their lives. See, integrity obliges us to act when the duty calls. Right? It's not always the easiest thing to do when we see somebody doing something wrong to speak out and say that's wrong. Integrity is doing the right thing, even when it's not the most popular thing to do. But we've all been in that situation where somebody, where things are, where there's a group of people that are doing the wrong things, and we just kind of stand by and don't do anything, don't say anything. We may not join completely in, but we're there, right? Because our pride takes over the worry about being different. Um, Remember a few years ago when I was in seminary, they, would have, they did a study on people. They took 10 people, set them in a room, and asked them a simple question. Nine of the people were being paid to say a certain answer with the 10th person as the test subject. So they would ask this question that was an easy answer. Like they would say, like, what color is this cup? Black or white? And they would let the first nine go and they would all say white. And you know what happened to that 10th person? More often than not, they went with the white because the first nine said white and they didn't want to be different than that person. Right? They weren't following their personal thought process, what they knew in their brain. They were allowing pride in nature to stop them from being what was truthful. They weren't willing to stand up and say, that's wrong. That's a black cup, not a white cup. Right? And that's a simple thing that we shouldn't even, that you can't argue with in being right or wrong. It's, it's either right or wrong. Now we get into the real world of situations. And a group of people we're with are doing the wrong thing. What do we do? Do we stand up with integrity and say, that's wrong? You can't do that. You're going against what God wants you to do in this situation. Maybe it's a group of friends that you highly respect and 
and they're covering up something, do we stand up and say, that's wrong? We can't do that. We have to let this out in the open. Now, there's many churches today that they try to cover up sinful issues inside the church, thinking that they'll protect the name of the church, their local body. And then maybe it doesn't come out right away, maybe two, three years, four years down the road, that sin comes out. And the church itself didn't have integrity because nobody was willing to stand up and say, this is wrong. We can't hide this. It's not about protecting this local name. It's about God's glory. And people are, forgive, are forgiving in situations where something happens. But you come out and you confess it then and you say, this, I screwed up, I made a mistake. And we have to stand by that. You must live God's word in everything with no buts or excuses, right? It can't be God's word says this, but I think it'd be okay if I did this, right? No, let's backtrack back, right? God's word says this, and we stop there. We don't go with a but this. Or in this case, or if we're adding those, those key words to it, then it's no longer what God's word says. It's now what we say. And that doesn't fit God's word anymore. And the last one is personal courage. Face fear, danger, or adversity. So what does personal courage look like? In Joshua 1.9, it gives us an example um, where Joshua is talking with God as he's getting ready to go into the, into the battle. It says, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid to discourage, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Daniel three sixteen through 18 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the, present, from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know, want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods and worship the gold statue you set up. <coughs> Think about that. They they knew the punishment. They knew what laid ahead, and they still said, "I will follow what God says to do." There might be personal struggles, as we read about people in uh, foreign countries, in Muslim countries especially, where when they stand up and they say, I'm a Christian, it's not well received. At minimum, they get kicked out of their house and lose their jobs. But they could lose their lives, cost their families their lives when they stand up and say, I am a Christian. We have to have courage when things come up. And that goes back to the integrity aspect, right? If we have strong integrity, we have to have that personal courage matched up with it to stand up and say, this is wrong. We can't do this. Even if it means back attacks on you because you stood up for what you felt was right. Personal courage is overcoming fears of harm while performing your duty, right? And our duty is to love our neighbors and love God, whether it's the popular thing to do or not at that moment. Moral courage is overcoming fears while doing what's right, even if it's unpossible, uh, unpopular. 
And so ultimately, we cannot compromise God's value in order to make man happy. As Christians, we can't compromise our values in order to make people around us happy. Right? Just because we treat people with respect doesn't mean they're going to be happy with us. Just because we love them doesn't mean they're going to be happy because we have a different belief system than they do. Right? And they don't like what we believe necessarily. But we can't compromise what God's Word says because a lost world doesn't agree with it. We can respect the lost world, but we can't compromise what God has told us is truth. Because truth is truth no matter what the, what's going on, no matter who says it. Right? There's a lot of false narratives that go on throughout social media, throughout the media itself, and throughout even in churches. There's a false narrative at times that goes through there that's compromised what God's Word says. And it's so easy for that to happen in church or in life because we go back and we said no buts and no excuses. We do that in church too. Right? So many churches, we, we say, it is, it does say that, however, right? and that's where we have to be careful, <laughs> that however, uh, but in this case, or but this time, and so we have to stand up as Christians when those moments come, no matter who is pushing against God's word and changing God's word, and we have to live with these values that God's given us to live by. Right? Loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. Those are good values to live by. It won't hurt you to try to follow those every day right? as God's leading you. And to do those things, we need to dig in here. Because right? we have to know what we value. We have to know what it is that God's telling us to do. What is our mission for the day that God's given us, right? We have that overall mission, right? So in, in the Army, they have operating orders that they have that's a big piece. But inside that's broken down what individual pieces are. And sometimes they change a little bit from day to day, right? And what God wants you to do at that moment, okay, I know this is our ultimate goal here, to take this area and make disciples here. Now, I need you to step over here and talk to this person today. They need you today. I need you to cheer this person. If this person needs love, they're hurting, they're suffering. How can I stop what I'm doing over here and go to give love to them? And so it's being constantly aware of what God is telling you as you read through his word and you spend time in prayer, listening to his music, and just worshiping even as you eat and drink. But God has a plan for each and every one of us that are followers of him. And so there's, there are people here that might not be a part of the army yet. Right? Being in the army means that God has changed your life. He's, he's broken that old self of yours and broken those chains off that, sin to sla- that slavery to sin. And said, so I want you to be, a, be my child. I want you to come serve me. And so some of us may not have made that choice today. Right? So, this, so this whole idea of giving up to a value system that's in a book, 
may not mean anything to you. Because if you don't have the values, you don't have the love that God's given you, it's just a book. Right? For some people, the Bible is just a good book of, to read sometimes. It has some good stories in it. If they compare it with the Quran or they compare it with the writings of Buddha and other things. <coughs> but there's reality when you read it and God takes control of you. It's more than that. It's a love letter written to the hearts of Christians and to the people that God created with values in it. And some people say that, oh, it's just, the values are no different in Christianity than any other, any other area. Good values that God gives cycles through our human nature. When we see, do not lie, is something that I think everybody agrees with. Right? And we all say that because if you lie to somebody, they'll, even an atheist gets mad at you and says, but you lied to me. That's wrong. Well, what makes it wrong? What makes this lie wrong and yours not? Or, right? We all have this value system that we all have. We just have to make sure ours aligns with what God's word says and we don't stray from it. It's not super easy. I know. We all know that, right? Like It's hard to, to have integrity in every situation. I mean, we, in the Baptist world, we look up to Billy Graham, right? And, and during the, um, when the Nixon tapes were uncovered, right, there were some things that he said in, in the office of Richard Nixon that he regretted. He fell into a trap and he became friends with Nixon and you know what happened? He lost his integrity to stand up and tell Nixon this is wrong. And afterwards, he had to come out and apologize and to say, I screwed up. I allowed my friendship with Nixon to get in the way with my integrity and my courage to stand up for what was right. And so even a great man that we can all look at and say, this is a guy that was serving God in every way he fell into the trap that Satan laid down. And he let something stand in front of him and his value system, his biblical value system, because he allowed Satan to step in that, in that one moment, in that one conversation, and then another conversation, and another conversation, because he didn't have the state, that point to say, this is wrong, I need you to stop saying that. I need you to stop doing this. And so ultimately, we have to continually check and see where we stand before God. Right? We're going to fail. Right? We're going to make mistakes along the way. I can guarantee that because there's only one person that's ever walked it without making the mistake, and that's Jesus Christ himself. And so we have to continually seek back to him and say, God, change me, sanctify me, which is just a fancy word saying, keep fixing me as I go along the path. Show me where I need to change each and every day so that one day I can be fully sanctified and be fully healed as I step into the gates of heaven with you. As Rhett comes up, let's, let's close in prayer.